Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. And on the show today, I sit with Eric Sharpay of Digital Doc and Digital Envy. Eric talks about how he was really born as an entrepreneur. It's in his blood. He loves it. And how he bootstrapped his first six-figure business while still in college and was awarded as Generation Next in 2015 in Savannah, Georgia. We had a really cool conversation as Eric shared how he was running one business and how he started the second one at the same time and some of the challenges and what he really learned about himself and about committing fully to his business, plus how he grew his team and manages his time. Check it out. My name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact. In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. How did you get there? I started out, of course, as a techie person, but I started to get interested in art in high school. And I took AP art and I failed it like absolutely terribly. It was just, I mean, I had a great art professor and I picked up some nice things, but I, I realized quickly I was not as skilled as an artist. But that didn't stop me. I, I still wanted to go to art school because I knew all this techie stuff. I figured, well, if I'm really technical, why would I go to a technical school? I'm just going to get bored. So why don't I go to an art school and learn about something new that I've always wanted to learn? always wanted to learn within the last couple of years or been interested in, genuinely interested in. So I ended up going to art school. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design now down in sunny Savannah. And I graduated almost in three years. I took summer classes and I just really uh, kind of pummeled through everything. And right around my senior year, I, my parents encouraged me to start my first business. And it First, I was kind of like, yeah, why though? I mean, I'm, you know, go out there and get a job. But they, they really did encourage me to start that process. So I, I have to, first of all, you know, thank them for pushing me out of the nest a little bit more in that respect. And uh, I, started the, I started a company called Digital Doc. And it was all about fixing computers. So I went back, I relied back on what I was good at doing. Right. But now I had four years of education of you know branding and design and, and understanding of ad campaigns. I, I married that eventually, I married that with my business digital doc, which was I started it with zero dollars. I mean, I, I had a, a bin of electronic parts and maybe one or two bins, and that was it. You know, my father helped me buy the domain name. And there I was. So the first year I made about $5,000, maybe less, <laughs> right? So, and, and this was 2007 into 2008. So right. the economy was on its path to absolutely tanking. Right. And I didn't know that when I started the business. And I kind of floated for the first couple of years. I had to take odd jobs. I had to park cars and do catering. And I had to do anything I could to make it continue because obviously the economy was in, in the tanker, yeah. but I also didn't commit fully to my business. And that I think was the deciding factor of whether my business was going to work or not. Mm-hmm. So about three years later, around 2010, I started to commit to my business full time. And I realized I needed to 
you know, obviously get more clients going because I started to get a reputation in town for going off, fixing computers, but I still, I needed more clients. And if I got more clients, then what was the next step? And then what was the next step? So I started to think, you know, what would I do if I was successful? Right. Right. Is that what the difference was for you in in committing? Like what was it in your like thought process or what decision you make that you recognize one that you weren't really committed, that you were kind of playing business? So there was a couple of things. One of my computers borked, like something completely messed up and it was going to cost me hundreds of dollars to even buy the parts to fix it. And I realized that I needed to upgrade my computer and I was going to have to spend some decent amount of money, which means I was going to have to put it on a credit card because I was still, you know, barely making it. You know, I was living with a girlfriend at the time. We had had a house and apartment we were renting and I realized I needed to get a nice Mac MacBook computer. I had to commit and upgrade to that. And by doing that, I needed to then commit to, you know, getting 10 clients that month so that I could pay for this thing immediately because I knew that if I let that sit on my credit card, then I would be in trouble. And, you know, just little things like that started to force me to commit to the next level. So I started to think, okay, so if I got those 10 clients you know, then what would I do? And then what would I do after that? Well, I, I realized I needed to hire someone to help me get to the next level. I needed to hire someone part-time. Right. So I went out there looking for part-time skilled labor, which doesn't really exist all that well. Even in a, a down economy, it was hard right. to find reliable, right. techy guys and girls that would go out there and be personable. Right. And do what I needed them to do. You know, you're showing up at grandma's houses, you're showing up at offices, you're showing up at real estate offices and, and, you know, working with professional people that still need you to communicate, well, hey, what's going on with my computer? And that was difficult. It was difficult to find someone to hire who, who would work out. And I hired them first as contractors because I didn't want the liability of having to do payroll and stuff like that. And then hiring and firing and all those laws. Did well, you anyway, as you were hiring yeah. people that you, you know, you were like kind of creating a process for how you, you know, who you're looking for as an employee and then whether they're contract or, you know, a real. I think I started to do that after the second or third one, you know, in the beginning it was like just Craigslist ads or something like that. I mean, I was really just grasping at straws at that point. Mm-hmm. And just trying to find someone, you know, asking a friend of a friend. I, I was trying to hire college students, which trying to find reliable support, you yeah. shouldn't go the college student route. Not to say that there aren't reliable college students out there, but it's just, you know, it, it's tough to find someone who's really motivated and technical and, you know, wakes up at 7 a.m. for class all the time, every class, right? Right. And shows up. So eventually, I mean, eventually, yes, I did create that process. That happened when I got an office. Okay. So we'll we'll start to fast forward when I committed even more. I, I realized at a certain point I was going to need to hire someone full-time. But I also needed an office because if I had a full-time person, we needed an office where people could just bring their computers to us. Mm-hmm. And this is when things were starting to get going, like 2011 started and things were like, you know, starting to ramp up for us. So we, I ended up getting office space and sharing it with my father and a very good friend of mine who's a very successful uh, business owner and entrepreneur. So we all three of us, we shared office space. I could barely afford rent. And then I got office space. So it was like this huge 
holy shit, what am I doing moment? Right. But I, but I, you know, I mean, I was renting with my father, so I didn't want to, I mean, he knew my money wasn't the best, but I, you know, I, I, I needed, I was committing to a family member and one of my best friends that I was going to pay rent and make rent on time and also pay right. electricity and water and, you know, all that stuff, all internet. And I think for a lot of people that when your feet are up against, you're being held up against the fire, like that's what creates the motivation. And yet sometimes you feel a little panicky about, you know, oh my but, God, I'm going to make this happen. But it's the I, act that comes out of it. Yeah, I, I ended up creating the fire on my own because I I was about four years into my business at that point, 2010, 2011. And I realized that I wasn't going to grow. I, mean, I was literally just going to continue to have to go to people you know, and people st- and here's one of the best things people were asking, well, do you have an office? And, and so my clients and my prospective customers were telling me and asking me questions. Right. That I started to see a trend. And I was like, okay, they're asking me if I do this and this service, maybe I should offer that service. You know, they're asking me, do I have an office where I can drop it off or do you come to me? And the entire time I was going to them, going to them realizing, well, if I had an office, they could just come to me and I could just sit in the office and type away and fix computers and do all the hardware, software stuff. Right. So it's time saving. But but if I had an office, then I had to guarantee hours. I'd have to be open between nine to five. Uh, You know, I'd have to do that. (laughs) So, and in reality, when you go to drop a computer off, you don't want to drop it up between nine to five. You actually need to be like eight to six because people get off and on work. So they need to drop it off before or after work. So that's, I learned that lesson as well. So I got the office space. I hired someone part-time to come in and, you know, they would open three days a week and then I would, you know, close or, you know, we kind of worked all that out and eventually things started to grow, but then we hit another wall and we, I needed to hire someone else because my current employee couldn't do full-time. And I needed to get someone who could do full-time who was a little bit more reliable. And I ended up going through a hiring process and, you know, putting, we didn't do ads, but we, we put, you know, put our feelers out there and, and end up hiring what I consider the most important hire of my career was a, a man named Brian Hodge. And he was not married at the time, didn't have a kid at the time, but uh, he ended up coming from corporate. He ended up coming from Best Buy corporate, the economy was in a tanker. He ended up getting let go along with a ton of other people. And he called me and said, Hey, I, you know, I want to interview. And I was like, I'm sorry, we already kind of interviewed everyone. You know, he's like, look, just let me come in. Just he literally forced his way in the door. And it impressed me because he he didn't give up. He was just like, Oh, okay, you know, he didn't say like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. He was like, No, look, just let me interview. Trust me, like just let me in. Let me in the door. So I let him in and he ended up being, he ended up becoming my manager for the company and ended up running the show so that I could go off and do other fun projects and start my other business. And, and I, I recognized that early on with him, which I mean, he did a lot of the, the, the heavy lifting, but I'm happy that I recognized that there was someone who was truly motivated and had the same passion for right. helping people fix their computers that I did versus my part-time employee really didn't give a crap. Like he, he was there to collect a paycheck and go home. 
great and serves the purpose, but you really need somebody who's motivated and dedicated. So is that what gave you, I'm going to say that like the space to be able to really overlap both businesses and continue both of them? Absolutely. So right around this time is when I I, I did start my, I mean, at the time as a website design company, uh, Digital Envy, Uh, we eventually pivoted and did more marketing and automation, things like that. But uh, more of an agency model. But yes, at the time I started the the LLC for Digital Envy because a lot of people were a- asking me to do websites. And I, I did them first under the Digital Doc name, but I realized two things. Number one, I had an exit strategy for Digital Doc. So I did have that a 10-year plan for my business. And and I realized if I wanted to eventually sell Digital Doc or or have someone else run it, then I needed to separate out websites from computer repair because they're not the same thing. No, in uh, different markets. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're both with computers, but, you know, car repair is not computer repair and car repair is not car sales. Right. Uh, they're still technically two different things, just as an example. Right. So yes, I, I ended up hiring Brian and he really took over the reins. I ended up doing a trip I took a six-week trip to South America through Rotary International. So I did a little bit of philanthropy and, and went down there. And this is right, right before I hired Brian. And I, even though he was second, my second hire, I trusted him more and privately told him, hey, Brian, I trust you to really run the show. If there's any issues, please let me know. I'm going to tell this other employee since he's older and been in the business longer that he's, you know, the manager. But in reality, I, I told Brian, you know, I reluct, I, I really looking to you to run things. So yeah. So Brian was able to keep us afloat for the next couple of years. And he, he was my sounding board and really my business partner. And uh, even though he didn't own the business, I offered part of the business to him. He, he didn't want it. He didn't want the responsibility of it. He didn't want to deal with the money stuff, the liability and everything, right. which I understand. Some, for some people, it's just not their, their thing. So what was your biggest leadership lesson as you were you know, building this the digital box um, business, the yeah, Amazon, yeah. Digital Envy? Yeah. Like what, great, great. What advice would you give people? Because I, I know... Lots of people have lots of business ideas and and it's hard to have that overlap and make both of them successful. Sure. You know, obviously if you're able to find that key person to hire or contractor, whatever they are, and they have that passion, you know, allow their ideas to affect your business. Because if you if you hand them the reins and allow them to take the business somewhere, you might still have your 10-year goal, your 20-year goal, your two-year goal, whatever it is. As long as it's within that realm, then trust that person to get the job done. You know, obviously, I'm not going to just hand over a personal credit card to a brand new hire, but you know, we had company cards, and I told my staff, I said, "Look, for anything under two hundred dollars, I don't care. I trust you to do it. Anything over two hundred dollars, come to me. Just say, hey, Eric, we got to buy this, you know, motherboard. It's like five hundred bucks. And I just take a quick look at it, but." Right. I learned that micromanaging ultimately undermines authority and it undermines trust right. within your, your staff and your contractors. Mm-hmm. I, I learned that you know, it is nice to have contractors because you, know, you can hire and fire them pretty easily right. as long as you have a, a solid contractor agreement. 
it's great. When you start to get into the employee thing, it's a little bit more complicated. I definitely, I mean, I had to do it to grow my business, but it was scary at first. Once it got going, it was better. I got to hire my friends. I got to hire my friends' friends and, you know, things are great. But then you had, and then I had to fire my friends' friends and I had to fire people who became like part of the family of our business. Yeah, we ended up hiring and firing 20, 25 people over a 10 year period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just trying to find the right, you know, the right people. Part of that growth, I know my experience has been, and I think that of my clients, is that those first couple rounds of hires is like you figuring out what, one, what your process is, two, who you're really looking for, who's going to compliment you, all of that stuff. And just kind of circle back to not micromanaging. Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'll just do it myself. And then you're like laying on the floor burned out. It's such a strength that you recognize that that wasn't going to work for you. Yeah. So Brian did check me a couple of times and that was important. So and Brian, he reminded me that I was micromanaging sometimes. He okay. reminded me that I was basically stepping into a place where he was supposed to step in. So in the chain of command, if you will, and and first of all, I considered everyone on the same level, like in terms of respect and opinions and and so on and so forth, everyone was on the same level. I want to stop you right there. Yeah. That is so important because I, that's the way I lead my business and it's also the way I've parented. And for me, they're so similar. Yeah. But that, I mean, you empowered people, and by doing that, you create such a strong team. Yeah. I mean, there were many times where I wanted to do something, and our employees would say no. I'll give you an example. I wanted to hang TVs for people because it was fairly easy to do, and a lot of people needed it, and it would help. It was a new line of business that we could have offered, and my employees did one or two jobs. We tested it out. And they said, look, Eric, it's too difficult. The circumstances are too crazy. Sometimes you need two guys out there and you know the amount of money we'd make and we're just, we're just not comfortable doing it. And I pressed them on it, but ultimately they won because I just listened to them. They're like, we don't want to do this. Yeah. And that's so, huge because it opens up space yep. for things that are going to make you successful. Yep. Very true. Very true. I mean, and look, there were plenty of other things that I probably pushed them on because I knew it like in my heart of hearts, I knew it. And I was like, look, guys, you know, we're just going to continue to do this because it's already worked or, you know, people keep asking for it. So I know it might be difficult or annoying, but let's just keep doing it. You know, we'll circle back in three months, have the discussion. Yeah. But once again, you're still the boss, but I think it's really giving that, you know, the empowerment piece of people know that they have the say and they have oh, yeah. heard that's so important. You don't see that in a yeah. lot of companies. I mean, I, I would try to do, you know, one, two, three month meetings. I mean, we would do pretty decent quarterly meetings where we would talk about, you know, just how, you know, where the company's going, so on and so forth. I would include the interns and I would encourage the interns. I, mean, I, I had interns from 12 years old to 18 years old. One of my interns went off to start his own company in New York. Another one is now very high up in the, the medical healthcare system. Another one I just found out is making more money than I ever made in my 20s, you know, <laughs> running my own business. So, which is awesome. And he's 20 years old and he's 
making tons of money and just crushing it. So it's, I, I, to me, that's a testament of, you know, have interns, have, you know, hire interns because they have the energy and I paid my interns as well. Uh, I would pay them if they would do uh, client facing work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything kind of behind the scenes that was really not client facing, that was kind of like exploratory work, I wouldn't necessarily pay them for, or I wouldn't pay them as much for, or give them like a, a project cost of like, here's 50 bucks. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think having interns is great. Some of our interns came up with ideas and we, and we tried them out. And, and I, yeah, that goes back to just the, the level playing field for everyone's opinions to be listened to. We would write them out on a whiteboard and, and talk about, you know, what are the, you know, the positives and negatives? How would we accomplish this? You know, is this, will this make us money? Will this, will it help the company in a positive way? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's just so powerful. <laughs> yep. Share a little bit too, like, cause you, you sold your, the first company, right? Correct. So I, I saw my 10 year plan for digital doc was to, to sell it or hand it over to someone like a Brian and then just, you know, back off and become, what do they call it? Like a, you know, non-existent boss or, you know, non-interfering boss where he would just manage it and he would make a majority of the money. I would just collect a small paycheck, fade off in the distance. We were sort of on, on track for that, but you know, I mean, life, life changes. Uh, I, I met woman of my dreams around the same time that I was talking with another company that was trying to move into Savannah and they were trying to do, they were trying to work with businesses only and they were trying to do more high level stuff. And we would, we would toss business back and forth like co-opetition. So we found another company that we could joint venture with. And ultimately they ended up, they had, they had about three locations in the Atlanta area. They tried to move into Savannah and ultimately they, they ended up making an offer and, I was ready to, you know, I was ready to get out of it. I'd been in Savannah for 12, 13 years at that point and, you know, wanted to move to Atlanta and be with the, the woman I loved and fell in love with. And so I, I ended up taking the deal and, uh, and didn't really look back from there. However, I kept digital envy. And that's the whole point is I separated the businesses out so I could right. sell one, but then keep the other one running. Right. Uh, now, digital envy, I started in 2011 didn't make any money on it really. And it, and it really just kind of sat at a certain level because I was busy spending my time on both businesses. Right. Uh, eventually digital envy has taken off over the last three years when I fully committed to it. So going back put, to point number one, <laughs> put my energy into it and it actually did it. Not right. necessarily even more time, but just, you know, fully focused on it. Yeah. But, so Digital Envy started out as a web design company and I started doing a couple websites here and there. And eventually I had a lot of back-to-back websites. And yeah, I mean, I had to hire designers and developers. And the nice thing is I already had office space for Digital Docs. So I got to bring in people for Digital Envy. My contractors could come in and we could all work together in the same place. Doing two businesses at the same time is very difficult. It is like having a child. However, basically I, I would spend eight hours a day on digital doc and then a couple hours a day at the end of the day on digital envy. And it was definitely tough. I I should have hired someone to replace me essentially in digital envy. Should have, I I never really found that Brian, that, that manager who's going to come in and take over my spot. I don't know if I wasn't looking for that or just couldn't find it or what, maybe I couldn't afford it. Because the business didn't have enough big enough clients, I didn't have the the number of clients, and 
So anyway, it took about, it took a good three, four years of running that business before I realized I'm, I'm not going to, I never crossed a certain dollar threshold. I always seemed to hit this, this like certain dollar threshold at the end of the year. I just, I couldn't make more than that money for the business. I just grossed at that level every year. And so obviously we hit a wall like three years in a row. And so, yeah, I realized I either A, had to go full time with it or B, hire someone you know, to replace me, an employee, an actual employee, I could tell them what to do. And I ended up obviously selling Digital Doc and that freed up my time for it. Some of the lessons I learned there were, I mean, if someone's doing crappy work, you should just fire them. You are not forced to work with any client or project you don't want to. I ended up getting sued by a client that I just, I knew was going to sue me from the moment I met them. And I I literally recorded our conversations. And in the state of Georgia, it's legal as long as one party knows it. So I would would sit down at the desk from the first day I met them because I had a a bit of a warning about them. And I recorded our conversations because I knew that something was going to be fishy. And eventually they ended up coming back and suing me. We ended up settling. Like, like it was over like a thousand dollars. It's like you gotta be kidding me. Right. But that's why you have an LLC. So that's some good advice. Definitely get an LLC. This yeah, that's something I recommend to all my clients because a lot of them come in as under so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, like if you if you sell bars of soap and someone has a bad reaction and they go to the hospital, they will sue you because you didn't put an ingredient on there or something or just whatever, they'll sue you and just have your LLC and literally protects you. It is your personal self from the business. Yep. The best advice ever. ever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why you do it. I love everything you've been sharing. You've given, I mean, so many great tips. And, and I think the reminder of being committed is so important. Like that's, yep. it's easy to kind of get into the daily. I've got to do this. I've got to do this, but are you really, focused on what you need to do, make it happen. And then are you committed enough to actually you know, make the investment so that you can grow? Yep. I guess I could probably, you know, cause I know we'll wrap up at some point here, but yeah. I, one of the things that I've been consistent on doing with both my businesses is first of all, doing a year end review where we invite everyone on the team, all the contractors, whoever, everyone who has equity in the company, so to speak, everyone who's, whose lives depend on it. We invite them to participate. And we do the end of year review. We look at the year before and say, okay, what were our goals for this year? What did we accomplish? What do we still have left to do? Do we want to continue to look for those goals? You know, we do a SWOT analysis. So we look at, you know, our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it's interesting because I'll hang these up on my wall and I'll just stack them. So I'll put, you know, 20, I still have 2015 lying around somewhere and, you know, I'll put 2016 over that and 2017. So I can look back and see on one of those big sticky post-it notes. They're huge. They're yeah. like, you know, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal. So we'll, I can just look back and just see, you know, the, the threats or the opportunities that we, you know, the threats that I thought were threats, we ended up eating them up. You know, we ended up surpassing them or, you know, we got bigger threats after that. So we weren't yeah. as worried about the little threats, right? And then opportunities, you know, we saw these opportunities, try to gobble them up, try to go after what we all agreed upon were good opportunities for the business to grow. And once again, that allows people in your business or even if it's contractors, allows them to be a part of that, you know, that team atmosphere. Because in this gig economy where we're all, 
you know, sitting in random locations around the world, it's nice to feel a part of that team. And the way that you do that is you include them in the business goals and you come back to it every quarter and say, Hey guys, let's review the business goals. Let's take 30 minutes to review what we've been up to. Yeah. I think that is another. Yeah. If you haven't looked at what you're, where you've been and what's worked and what's not worked and what you're learning, but you can't look at, you can't forecast. And I love that you keep like years up too, because I think you can see where gaps and then similarities are in those sections. So it helps you just be better and better. Yeah. I mean, just bite the bullet and do it. Take the 30 minutes, you know, right now today to just maybe write out some stuff if you haven't done it before. I mean, once again, it just, it helps people feel like they're a part of that part of the company and, and, and it makes, it makes them feel like they're part of the company. And on top of that, when they know the vision of the company, they make choices and decisions based on that. So they know if, you're, if the goal of the company is to chase quality clients over quantity, they know right then and there, if a certain client is acting up, they'll alert you of it and say, hey, look, this client's kind of like trying to undercut us on a lot of stuff. Do you really want to deal with this? Right. Like, no, no, I don't want to. Let's fire them and go after, you know, I got three clients that are quality that I'm just waiting on. So that's something I've had to do over the years. I've had to fire clients. I've had clients fire me and I've been perfectly fine with it because, you know, it's like, hey, look, it was great working with you. Sorry, you feel like our quality of work didn't live up to your standards. I'm okay letting you go because we're going up to the next level and that's not where you are right now. You're down here. We're going up here. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. No, business I, has, has to be a win-win. The business is well, not okay, a win-win. Not everybody's supposed to work with you. Exactly. Yep. Choose, choose your clients. Don't let them choose you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If For everybody who wants to connect with you or with Digital Envy, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So you can definitely find me on digitalenvy.co. That is our you know company website. Uh, you can. I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn as well, and I've had you on my my digital chatter yeah. uh, TV uh, podcast. So that's digitalchatter.tv, where you can see a bunch of my interviews with similar awesome, amazing entrepreneurs and talking about their stories as well. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I love everything that you've shared. I really, you know, I, I can't. The commitment piece is so huge. But the way you've empowered your employees, too, is fantastic. And then definitely people review, like just do a review. It's really eye-opening. And I think, at least in my experience, sometimes I'm so focused on what didn't happen that I forget to acknowledge everything that did. And that's really important, too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emmy. Appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Have you ever thought about those times when if you had just known that one thing, it would have saved you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, or maybe days, weeks, or even months of your time? I've created the Tribe of Leaders membership community for exactly that reason, to give you the tools, the resources, and the support to make growing your business a snap. As a member, you'll have access to video training, live monthly training and masterminds, and special co-working days that will help you run your business like the CEO that you are. You can get all the details at thetribeofleaders.com. See you there.